Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. Good morning, Mosaic. My name is Michelle, and I will be reading our scripture for today. Um, today's reading comes from the book of Ruth, chapter 2, verses 1 through 23. And it's printed in your worship guide and also on the screen behind me. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman, who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young woman. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native lands and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed her Passed to her, uh, passed her to, passed her to, passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it to her, leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was almost an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. 
She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she said to her mother-in-law, with whom she had worked, and said, The man's name with whom I work today was Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of bar the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. God, I thank you for this good word. Thank you for this reminder that you are the God of provision. Father, may we reflect who you are. May we reflect your character and just may your character shine through us in all of our actions and all of our daily life. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Michelle, for leading us. You know, growing up, uh, I spent a good amount of time with people that, uh, let's say, churned through a lot of books. Um, there's one friend in particular that I know that would literally read one to two nonfiction fiction books a week. And we're not talking about a compelling story that you couldn't put down. He was literally reading like textbooks or academic pieces weekly. Um, Maybe for some of you, you know, I know we live in a very well-educated area. Maybe this isn't super impressive. Uh, and maybe for some of you, you are that friend to others. Uh, but for me, um, as I scratched my head in awe, uh, as my friend could still summarize and critique each book he read, uh, I would ask him, how can you read this much this fast? And to that end, he said, I use the Z method of speed reading. This meant that you would start with the beginning, then you would read the end, and then you would skim the middle. You would do that with a chapter. Read the first paragraph, read the last paragraph, and then skim the middle. And then even with each paragraph, read the first sentence, then read the last sentence, and then skim through the middle. It was a process that he went through uh, just so that he could trim the fat and just get to the meat of it. He would ignore anything that was a little excess so that he can get to the bulk of what the book or the author was trying to say. Um, but of course, it only works for nonfiction. Try doing that to Harry Potter and you will have a really bad time. So uh, even as Michelle Lee has read the scripture reading for us, which is phenomenal, thank you for taking the huge chunk of Ruth. Um, as we read it all, we need to actually uh, press back against the temptation to speed read. Do not use the Z method while going through the book of Ruth. The point is not history. It is not, we're not just trying to get some reading comprehension down. Um, so 
as we read, we should slow down or else we will miss out on the beauty of what the author is trying to show us. We will actually miss out on the drama that is taking place here. The author brings this story to life as a work of art where even the words and phrases that are used, where even the direction of the story altogether, all of these things work together to create a beautiful picture of God's work in the lives of ordinary people. If you're just skimming for comprehension, you will miss out on the lesson told in the details. That even though you can't see it, God's unseen hand is present even in the mundane and minute aspects of life. God's unseen hand is still present in all the details of our lives as well. So we'll dive into the story through two points. Gathering grain and gracious guardian. As we enter into uh, chapter 2, we start the opening scene that we see uh, is a summary of the situation. Ruth wants to gather food for both her and Naomi. And so we see in verse 2, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Even here in these two verses, uh, for the original audience, the first detail that you pick up is found in the title. It is Ruth the Moabite. Multiple times in this chapter, the author highlights the fact that Ruth is a foreigner. She is an outsider to push in our face the reality of the social hierarchy found in the ancient Israel. Just for a little bit of context, uh, if you look here, here is a generalized understanding of how the social hierarchy worked in the ancient Near East. Uh, If you see at the beginning, you see the king or judge, the one that would uh, resolve disputes. Then it would go based on tribe, led by uh, the tribe of Judah. Keep going down the list. There's the clan leader in the city. There is the subgroup leader. Uh, which you would see in Boaz, and then all the way down from 1 to number 16, finally you get to Ruth. Even Naomi, a wife, a widow, had much more status than Ruth did. But it was Ruth, the Moabite, the foreigner, the one that was not in her homeland, who went out to gather grain. And so as we read chapter 2, we need to recognize that uh, gathering grain, yes, it is physical. Yes, it is hard work. But the underlying difficulty in that is Ruth is putting herself in a very vulnerable position. She is exposed as someone in the bottom of the totem pole, so to speak. There's one Hebrew scholar, uh, Elizabeth Groves, who mentions that in the ancient Near East, uh, the reality is the presence of a male communicated that the family she belonged to cared enough about her not to send her out with a chaperone. If you mess with her, the family would come after you. If she was alone, then either she didn't have a family to protect her or they didn't care about her. So you could probably get away with whatever you want to do to her without impunity. 
Ruth without a husband, without a father-in-law to protect her and to guard her, was left vulnerable in that society. Yet, still, she continued on to the fields. Before I move further, I do want to pause and say maybe some of you here this morning uh, feel vulnerable as like Ruth. Vulnerable in the sense where uh, maybe you can feel like tossed, you're tossed to the sidelines where no one has your back. Maybe in the pandemic, you watched as other friends that you've had created their own pod without you. Maybe you feel like a second or third tier friend. Uh, maybe they'll reach out to you if the timing is right and if the circumstances allow, but maybe you feel overlooked. To that end, I want to encourage you through the book of Ruth that God sees you. God has not left you. And we could trust in God because we see how God did not leave Ruth to herself. We see that starting in verses 3 and 4. In the text, we read that Ruth, she, as she was uh, gathering grain, she happened to come to the part of Boaz's field, as it said in verse 3. And then later on, of course, behold, Boaz comes back to his field. You see, the author is doing a not-so-subtle wink-wink, nudge-nudge to the reality that a God's hand in the location of where Ruth went and to the timing of when Ruth went out to work were all under his grand plan. God was aware of Ruth's situation and brought together through the timing and location Ruth and Boaz. How is it that Ruth not only enters the right field of a clan leader like Boaz, but at the time when Boaz enters the field? Here we see not just a coincidence. Uh, It was not human deliberation. Naomi was not coaching Ruth where to go. There was no humanly orchestrated plan to kind of work out the benefits. It was just earnest work on Ruth's end. It was perseverance where she would work early in the morning and took little rest and character in Ruth to show that she was not just some any old foreigner. We continue on in verse 6. As we hear the account of Ruth, she is a young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Now why would a Moabite woman go out of her country to gather grain for a widow? To anyone who hears that, and most likely Boaz himself is also scratching his head in awe, wondering, why would she do that? But because he sees this clear display of love and sacrifice, Boaz enters in as a gracious guardian. After hearing about Ruth's reputation, he rushes in and basically commands Ruth, starting in verse 8, do not glean in any other field or leave this one. 
but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men to not touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. You see, in Boaz's impassioned speech, Boaz again commands Ruth to stay in his field. And while at first glance, maybe in uh, today's eyes, it might sound like a controlling move or a power play, actually, Boaz is beckoning Ruth to enter into a place of safety. It's not a suggestion as if you could say, you know, if, if you want, if it's convenient for you, you can come into the field and pick some grain. I won't bother you. Boaz is actually saying, I will make sure that no one lifts a finger against you. You stay with me. I will protect you. But notice it's more than just physical protection. Look at verse 9. Have I not charged the young men to not touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessel and drink what the young men have drawn. Here in the ancient Near East, it was supposed to be the foreigners. It was supposed to be Ruth that gathered water for the community. Yet here, Boaz is spinning it around, flipping it on its head and saying, no, you, though you are a foreigner, I am welcoming you in under my care. You are part of my clan now, is basically what he is saying. As a leader, Boaz used his status and resources to make sure that Ruth can be treated with dignity and with care. It was as if she was an Israelite herself. As we continue on in the story, she gets a seat at the table. She can eat and be full. She no longer has to pick grains from the leftovers, and instead she could take some grain from the best batch as, he comm- as Boaz commanded his young workers to take some off of the stacks of grain in verse 16. Boaz does everything he practically could to make sure she is cared for. May this be a challenge for us as, we, as a church so that we can go out of our way to care for anyone uh, who walks in these doors or enter into our communities. How can we as a church care for single people so that they do not feel like they always have to work their lives around the schedules of parents or married couples? How can we as a church care for young parents who are doing everything they can to make sure that their child is well-fed and that has a regular sleep cycle and won't be overtired at night? How can we as a church care for the teenagers in our midst, those in middle school and high school? How can we care for those who are empty nesters, for those who aren't in the same socioeconomic bracket as we are? How can we care for the people who enter into our community who haven't grown up in church? Or maybe, how can we care for those who are traumatized from bad experiences in the past at church? These are just some of the ways that we as a people can care for those who might feel like they are on the outside, for those who might feel like Ruth, the vulnerable at the bottom of the 21st century social hierarchies. God calls us to level the playing field. And we could do that simply by looking out after those sitting even right next to us today, this morning. Let us be mindful and proactive to care for one another, even as we heard in the assurance, not just in word, 
but in deed as well. Boaz enters in as a guardian to protect Ruth. And so Ruth responds in verse 10, Why should you even take notice of me as a foreigner? Why should a leader of the clan be mindful of a foreigner, a Moabite? Why can Ruth find favor in his sight, as she says in verse 13? To that end, Boaz actually flips the script. No, 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 no. The question is not why do I take notice of you. The real question is why would you, as a foreigner, give up your privileges, your status in your homeland after your husband has died? He's highlighting the fact that Ruth committed to Naomi even after her husband, Naomi's son, passed away. And so as much as we can and should celebrate Boaz's protection and care for Ruth, uh, we need to recognize that in a sense, Boaz's work was kind of easy. He's just throwing pennies in a bucket. He's just cutting a little bit of the extra off the top to make sure Ruth is cared for. It does not cost Boaz much to tell his workers to listen to him. It does not cost much for the owner of the land to skim some of the grain off the top. And it does not cost much for a leader of a clan to bring someone into their sphere of care. Boaz rightfully recognizes that any care and protection he tries to offer pales in comparison to the sacrificial protection and provision that Ruth gave in order to protect her mother-in-law, Naomi. Ruth gave up her higher status as a marriageable woman in Moab to become the bottom of the social order in Israel, as we see here. Ruth gladly became vulnerable, opening herself up to harm's way as she worked a grueling job all day with very little breaks. All of the work that was done was for Naomi so that Naomi can receive an abundance of food and the abundance of food she did, in fact, receive. Look at verses 17 and 18 in chapter 2. And so she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Basically, it was about two weeks' worth of food in one day. That is how much Ruth was able to gather. It was so much food that even as Ruth returned home, Naomi didn't even have to talk to Ruth to recognize, whoa, why are you carrying such a huge basket? What is going on here? Why can a Moabite with no security or protection come back so full? The author is highlighting that in the midst of all of this, God's hand was at work, and he has already sheltered Ruth under her wings. God has not stopped caring for Naomi, and in fact, uses Ruth to continue to provide and protect. And just as much as he loved Boaz, Naomi, and Ruth in this story, he still continues to love and protect his people, ultimately seen through the greater sacrificial love of Ruth's ancestor, Jesus Christ, God's son. Why would a God... Why would the God leave the comfort of heaven to take on the pains of living in a sinful world? 
Why would he take on hunger and thirst, the frustrations of potty training, growth spurts, learning how to speak, the word of life learned how to speak in common language? Why did he grow up toiling day after day, walking for miles at a time? Why did he face the angry mobs? Why did he let himself become betrayed by one of his closest friends? And why did he nail himself on the cross? Why did he allow that to happen? That is because, church, he loves you. Because in doing so, you can receive an abundance of food. You can receive the bread of life and need not go anywhere else. Because in doing so, you will receive favor in God's eyes by faith. And in doing so, you will be safe under his wings, both now and forevermore. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came down in love to protect us by making himself vulnerable, actually dying, and rising again from the grave so that we can have life eternal and life abundant. Church, may we cling to a God that great. May we cling to the God of Ruth, and may we respond like Ruth as we sacrificially love for and care for one another. Not because we have the power and privilege, maybe we do, let us use it like Boaz, but whatever situation we are in, may we be mindful of the care and protection we have in Jesus and therefore love and care for one another the best we can in faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, we thank you that, Lord, you are our gracious guardian and you have chosen to show us a picture of your love and care through the person of Ruth. We thank you for such a great exemplar and role model. I pray, God, that as we seek to live in faith, to love and care and protect one another as a community, Lord, we ask for your protection. We ask for your strength. We ask for your love so that we can go past our comforts to care for those uh, who are different from us. Help us, Lord. Encourage us. Excite us with the reality of the love you showed us. And in your name we pray. Amen.